Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan. And on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives we lead on our path to self-mastery. Today on the show, we have Adrian Smoot. He's in real estate, but he's in a specific niche. This isn't like uh, Karen selling real estate out here. He's in mobile homes. Yes, mobile homes. In fact, his company's name is My Wife Buys Mobile Homes. So you're probably asking yourself, how in the world does somebody get into buying and selling mobile homes, and why is he on the show? Well, there within those two questions lies a deeper question. What's the mindset and motivation behind someone getting into mobile home buying and selling? Well, Adrian and I discussed the experiences he had that led him from pudding wrestling in his backyard to starting to tour the country, sharing with people how to live an incredible life following their dreams and make an incredible living off of mobile homes if they'd like to. Now, this isn't your typical realtor buying crap homes or even multi-million dollar homes. Again, this is, this is an investor with a strategy and a story that can help us all. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Adrian, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. How about you today? I'm great, man. I'm so excited that you're on here. It's been a while. Adrian and I have known each other for a couple of years now, but dude, I think it's been actually a few years since we last saw each other. Yeah, uh, we have not seen each other. We talked on the phone a little bit and, you know, the Zoom, uh, every other platform world, the video world. Yeah, Zoom, Google Meet, Teams, yeah. Riverside I can't keep now. Track of them all. Yeah. Well, Adrian, man, I really appreciate you being on. So Adrian and I have known each other for a couple of years. Uh, when I first moved to Florida five or six years ago, I joined a networking group. And Adrian was one of the first guys to uh, introduce himself and kind of befriend me. There are certain people in those groups that sometimes are just weird and squirrely and like stay in a corner or don't want to talk to new people. Not this dude. He just straight up walked up. was like, hey, I'm Adrian. Who are you? What do you do? What's your deal? I was like, I, I like you. I'm Nick. This is my deal. How about you? So, Adrian, on that note, why don't you tell us uh, what you do for a living and maybe one thing that most people don't know about you? I mainly wear this yellow T-shirt that says <laughs> my wife buys mobile homes, but behind the T-shirt, uh, we buy mobile homes. So I, I buy them and with the home and land together and rent them out. That business plan is to be boring and simple. We get enough excitement that just comes out of the ordinary, but we just want that business to be boring and simple. And then something that people don't know about me, probably that I really enjoy uh, adult coloring books. That does not mean like nudity coloring books. That just <laughs> means coloring books that aren't for three-year-olds. And I use uh, glitter gel pens. I'm kind of looking down this way because I have them out on my uh, desk right here. I actually use right now... Hal Elrod, he has a affirmation coloring book that I really am enjoying. Oh, wow. I appreciate you saying not the adult, adult coloring books, but <laughs> adult coloring books, because I, I know my, I know exactly what you're talking about, but my brain instantly goes to, are you like coloring boobies and things? Like what's going on here? <laughs> Every time I say it, that's the first thing my brain goes to as well, <laughs> which I uh, have had a coloring book of, of animals pooping. That was a fun one. <laughs> so I want to see some yeah. of those finished, beautiful <laughs> products of your colorful shit, let's say. 
Yeah, I'll I'll post some in your your Facebook group. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, so I'm glad that you're part of that Facebook group. I know you're part of another Facebook group that I run too. So there's the men's mindset and self mastery group, and also the manly club. But uh, man, I'm just so glad that you're here. But I want us to get into all of the things that we can talk about that you and I talk about on our Zoom calls and our just like I don't know. Uh, biannual catch up <laughs> of being able to talk through like, man, what have you, what have you been up to? What's going on? So uh, let's start with how the hell did you get into selling or buying mobile homes? The quickest story I can make it is I bought my second house back at the peak of the last real estate cycle. I lost it as a short sale and that dinged my ego. So about, I don't know, six years ago, I remember the pain from my ego taking a loss, and I thought we were at the top of the real estate market. And I said, "This numbers don't make sense." So obviously, I have been extremely wrong. But because of that, I looked for something different than the site-built single-family home, and I just listened to the seasoned guy and girl in the back of the real estate investor room. They all talked about mobile homes at some point, or they still own them. So let me check it out. I fell in love with the cash flow, the really tight niche of it, not as much competition, and completely transitioned the whole business. Wow. Now, I, I think there's a lot to be said to try to pivot. You know, a lot of people will try to pivot in their business no matter what, but I think too many people work in their business and not on it. So the fact that you were able to actually shift and say, I want to go this direction. I'm sure you hear this often, but when people think mobile homes, they're not thinking glamour. They're not thinking like you're even going to make tons and tons of money, but man, you're doing incredibly well for yourself. So can you walk us through kind of what that thought process was where you started to piece those things together and go, I'm going to make this shift. Well, one of my coaches really started just asking me, what do I really want today? Because I was trying to build some cash flow, some equity, some appreciation. You know, I wanted everything. He's like, what do you really want today to live off of, to eat off of? And it was cash flow was the answer. I don't eat off of equity. I don't eat off of all these other things. And mobile homes are cash flow. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. They're cash flow. Uh, they're not very sexy sometimes, but my bank account looks good. <laughs> and as you alluded to, not many people like them. And that stereotype has helped me buy even more. Because I'll go to a meeting and say, I want to buy mobile homes. People say, why would you ever want to do that? And I reply in a joking way, you're right. They're terrible investments. Give me all your leads. Yeah. And that's how we buy them. That really is. That's awesome. So can you kind of break down a bit of what it looks like, some numbers wise of, you know, buy one for this, fix it up, flip it, or whatever that needs to look like? Let's go on today's numbers because it has changed a lot in three years because they do appreciate because people will pay more for a cash flow. They're a cash flow stream, not so much an appraisal value, if that makes sense to people. Uh, but today, we are buying one for right around $100,000. That's uh, 1997 with an acre of land in Plant City, Florida. And that's a good deal. It really is a really good deal for it. And we're going to be able to rent it probably for $1,800 a month. Uh, those, Yeah. So you, you can do a quick enough math in your head like that, that's good. Yeah. That's a good return. And uh, that's, a, that's a really good return. Now, a lot of times 
we've bought older ones that people are truly scared of, like the 1960s and 70s. And those are the, the falling apart ones that, that I like because they're even higher cash flow. But now we're, you know, we're upgrading the portfolio to have something that has less of a chance of being a hurricane missile. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the first time you've said that, but it's the first time you've said nope. it to me. Or, or a t- tornado magnet, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Especially in Florida. Yeah. yeah. You've got a lot of different properties. I know you do a lot of um, networking and things of that sort. You were telling me before we started recording that you're making a shift. You want to walk us through your thought process and uh, how you've made that shift and what that shift is going to be? So I am it's the shift here. I'm thinking we talked about because we talked about a few different things. But I'm really focusing on just this one type of mobile homes. But it's really my office manager that's doing that work now. We've created a lot of systems and different things, and that's allowing a few things. Uh, she's better at that than me. I'm the Imagineer, so I do it this way one time, and this way it's one time, and that business needs more of a process, mm-hmm. and it, it runs smoother like that, and that's her specialty. She's really good at that, and that allows me to be freed up to go around and speak about what has helped me be successful, my failures, about mobile homes. You know, and I love it. I, I found I really, really, really like it. It's a lot of fun. I get to help people and then make money doing something that is fun and you're helping people. And I get to travel. It's a tax right off the travel. I mean, I, it's checking all my boxes. Yeah. Oh, man. So that was the thing I was talking about was being able to travel around, actually teach people how to do this sort of stuff. But I want to take a, I want to pull back a little bit. Let's take a step back to little kid Adrian. How did you get to where you're at now? Like, did you have parents that were entrepreneurs? Did you have family members that were entrepreneurs? Or was everybody just in a retail business and you figured, I don't want to do that? Like, what did that look like? So, yeah, I was very fortunate. Still am. Uh, my parents, my uncle, my cousins uh, on most, both sides of my family are all entrepreneurs. They're the, I would say, more of the typical small business entrepreneur that, you know, they work in the business, not so much on the business. And, uh, nothing wrong with it. We've had I had a great childhood. We got to do a lot of things, but I then did work at Walmart uh, about three or three and a half years. Fantastic job because I learned it ruins holidays. I do not want to be in retail, and I need to do something more. Uh, I did enjoy the time there. I I actually got paid pretty quick, more than a lot of people, but it taught me a lot of really good lessons. So uh, from there. I got, you know, my parents always said, you can do and be anything you want. They wanted me to go to school. And I think a lot of parents say that, but I don't know. I don't know if my parents just really meant it or if I actually believed them. Because I I believe every parent says that, but it just doesn't happen. And I'm not sure which side it is, or maybe it was a little bit of both. Maybe I was foolish enough to believe them. And I've shifted a lot of times in life. So I didn't have this like really far out there. I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a police or my parents weren't pushing me. You got to be a doctor. And I've done a lot of awesome, cool things. And I'll say uh, jobs. I'm putting the air quotes up Mm -hmm. because I've traveled for a company before and worked three or four days a week and traveled with my best friend. Uh, We did 53,000 miles, 38 states in eight months. And it was an awesome time of, for that 
period in my life. And I got paid really good. And I don't even, I still don't even know how that happened, but that wasn't a long-term thing. It, it, you know, it fit its point of life. And then I slowly just transitioned. I planned the stock market some, so I, we can say I failed forward there. Uh, I don't have good of record keeping, but I believe I probably broke even, which is a huge win for someone that goes in day trade to have a, a badass computer with four monitors and two graphics cards. And it's still ahead of its time being, I don't know, six years old. But then I just kind of found real estate. I mean, I, I was always, I was in it for the whole time, but as a hobby and I don't, I just decided, all right, I'm going to try something different this time. And I just kept trying and real estate's the one that stuck. And as we talked about the mobile homes within the real estate is what stuck with even harder. Sure. Yeah. You've got these tiers that you've gone through. Like, all right, I'm going to try something in this realm. Uh, I like this little piece. I'm going to do something in this realm. And I like this piece down to the real estate where do I do homes, single family, whatever, and then mobile homes. Do you think that stuff, back to your parents, do you think it was that they genuinely believed that you could do these things and therefore you genuinely believed? Or do you think they positively gaslighted you? And they're like, Adrian, you can do whatever you want. Sure, I hope he doesn't fucking die. Like, uh, no, I, I believe that they truly believed it. Um, I don't know if it was they just believed it 100% or if it was like an ignorance believed it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter which one. They gave me the belief. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm in some different masterminds and uh, co I have coaches. And one of the terms we like to use is borrow the faith of the group. You know, when you don't fully believe that you can do it, you know, the rest of the group, if they all believe, just borrow the faith and you can get through it. You know, and kind of on that topic, the, I would say use my coach as my parents and put air quotes again. He's coached me and pushed me on some things that looking back, I don't believe he thought I could do. He just pushed me and, you know, it's kind of like shoot for the stars and you'll hit the moon. I actually think that that's what he was doing. And I surprised him and hit the goals. Hmm. But I only hit because he told me he believes I could do it. And he pushed me with that belief that I was like, all right, he says I can, I can. It's interesting, man. I think there are certain people, especially people that listen to this uh, podcast, that have beliefs in themselves, but they also have limiting versions of those beliefs where those fears will pop up. They'll be like, yeah, I can do things because, you know, I did things like this before, but this is different. So do you find that it's a kind of make or break for you to have that accountability for somebody to go, no, I believe you can do this thing? For sure. I mean, accountability is, is huge. Uh, I had my accountability call this morning. I have one every week with uh, a group of just peers. You know, I, I call my coach. He's accountability as well. I, ha I have right now three coaches, technically. You know, I truly believe in coaching for all different things. And, uh, I mean, accountability is huge. It's huge if you have integrity to keep with what you said. I've been with accountability partners with people that come back every week and like, yeah, I didn't really get it done. You know, I'll get it done this week. Eh, that doesn't help me. It doesn't help them. And accountability doesn't good for those people. Yeah, I think it's uh, people got to be mindful of themselves. Like if you show up, you actually have to show up instead of half asset. That's also on that group to be able to call them out on it. Uh, I'm part of a group where we, uh, we were a paid mastermind group where we have people that every so often will kind of show up and they'll half-ass it. And we politely ask them to um, join something else. 
because it doesn't really help anybody. It doesn't help them. It, it hurts in situations. Uh, and being yeah. being accountable is a huge thing. So do you find that you've been able to put together sort of processes for yourself, even though you're not a process-heavy person, but processes for yourself that help you to be accountable uh, in those in-between times when you don't have those calls? Yeah, I mean... I'll say the in-between times, uh, if I'm understanding you, is uh, the good times when things are going good. That's the hardest time for me, I would say, to, to really keep my habits. I, I keep them, but it is harder when things are, are either really, really good or they're really bad because then you don't feel like it. But I've proven to myself enough now that when things are not going great in life, I'm like, I know I need to get up and do my core things. And when things are going really good, I'm too excited and I just want to jump into my day and skip my core stuff. So it's weird, but it's actually a little more difficult when things are going really good for me to, to get my my core. So I do the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Uh, I, I have my own version of it. It's really close. It's uh, I probably about an hour and a half is my, my perfect morning and drinking some hot tea, doing all my different things. And I, I love it. Yeah, if I'm doing that, life works really, really well. So it looks like I use uh, incantations. Oh, here, before that, let me back up. Before I go to sleep the night before, I set my mindset of what I get to do the next day, and especially something in the morning that I'm going to be excited about. I really think that the morning starts with going to sleep. And I typically listen to something positive, you know, a five-minute or 20 minutes. If I'm alone in bed, I, I listen to a few hours worth of positive something, you know, Tony Robbins, sleeping incantations to get the subconscious mind going. And then I wake up, I do some very light stretches, like literally before I open my eyes in bed. And then I get up and do incantations right away. And incantation is an affirmation with energy. You know, you can be screaming it, just something with energy. So I'm doing those while walking around the house. Uh, I'm starting my hot tea. I have another little stretch routine. Uh, sometimes I'll jump on the trampoline. Then I go into my journaling. I have a, right now I'm using the, the clear planner. So it's a planner and a journal mixed. Uh, I change up my journal a lot because uh, I like to learn something from each journal. But I'm, right now I'm really liking the clear planner. I go from that to uh, reading. I'll read. I don't have a set time. I would say it's probably 10 to 20 minutes. And then I go from there over to the uh, meditation. Same thing with meditation. Um, these days, honestly, it's probably 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, I had a point where I was pushing to, to get 20 minutes plus. Uh, when I get every once in a while, I jump back into uh, Joe Dispenza and I'll start doing like 30 minutes in an hour again. Uh, so that's yeah, that's my morning routine, but you know, that's I do it at my pace. Uh cell phones non existent except for if I'm reading my incantations, because right right now I have a long list and I cycle through them and I'll change them as different things I read. I'm like, oh, I really like what that says and I'll tweak wording. I'm very big on words that we use and how to tweak them to get more of what I want. That's powerful. That's also a lot of stuff that you go through in the morning. Uh, and I, I call it out as as it is, 
you and I've talked about this before. We have similar things that we do in the mornings, the journaling, meditation, the stretching, the kind of the rituals that we do. And I've had conversations with other people before where they want to do these things, but they're hesitant. Like you add one more thing to that damn list and all of it's done. They're like, I don't want to do any of it. They're like, oh, he added journaling. Like, that's it. I'm finished. So did you start off bit by bit by bit, or did you just jump in head first and then pull accountability in to help you stick with it? Yeah. So I started the Miracle Morning and I coupled that with a 66 day challenge from the one thing. I haven't done one of those challenges in a long time, but I used that, which is basically just 66 days. That's the math that they came up with to uh, create a habit. And I decided the habit I was going to do is the Miracle Morning. And I was going to do it exactly as Hal Elrod teaches it, which has visualization, which I did not mention. I do a little bit of the visualization mixed in with uh, the incantations and meditation. But anyways, I was probably only doing maybe 10, 15 minutes worth at that time. And now it's really expanded. Uh, you know, I'm not the fastest reader. So I just read until I'm kind of done reading. You know, I, I don't know, like I said, some days it's 10 minutes, some days it's 20, 30 minutes. And the same thing with meditation, you know, this is, my, that's my perfect world. If it's a day that I didn't get a lot of sleep. Yeah. I cut, cut this down to 20 minutes. It still works. It keeps my habits. I really like it when it's longer. And I'll tell you, my days are better when I take the time to do that and, and I enjoy it. Isn't it interesting how we can kind of uh, battle with ourselves? Like, man, I know I should do this thing. And you're like, but I got to get into the day. Even when you're excited and you're like, oh, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do this thing. By the end of the day, you're still like, damn, you know, if I would have done the meditations, if I would have gone through and do this, do you find that it's easier for you to just sit down and just do the damn thing now? And once you start, you're good. Yeah. That's exactly. Once you start, you're good. Uh, one of my uh, awesome coaches, uh, he recently passed away, Chuck Ballman. We would talk about that a lot. We would just decide, all right, I'm just going to meditate for a minute or five minutes. And it always went longer. You know, in the days I didn't really feel like it, you're just like, all right, I'm just going to do a tiny bit. And I've never stuck with, well, I shouldn't say never. When I first started, yeah, I was only meditating for a minute to two, three minutes. But if I put on just the two minutes right now, there's no way I would only do two minutes. I would always go longer. But I can convince myself it's only two minutes. Yeah. You know, it's the same idea with the cold showers. That's how I'll trick myself sometimes. Now, in Florida, you know, we say cold showers and our northern friends think we're, we're joking around. But, you know, I'll do that sometimes. I'll turn it on all the way hot and jump in right away. So it's cold for, what, 20, 30 seconds until it gets hot. Mm -hmm. But that's how I'll trick myself into it. And then almost every time I stop it from ever getting hot. Because I'm like, I'm used to it and I'm like, I can handle it. But I, I told myself, I'm only going to do this for 20 seconds and it works. Before we started recording, we were talking about um, the accountability with yourself with some stupid things like Facebook and not jumping on Facebook <laughs> first thing in the morning. Now, I've had this conversation so many times with people, but I love what you brought up of being able to set up your parental guidance on your phone that you actually have to make that decision. Like, are you about to disobey what you said you were going to do? And then you have to hit that yes or no. So even like jumping into the shower and being like, I'm just going to leave it cold. It'll get hot. And then you just turn it. It's like jumping into a pool. Like, yeah, it's going to be freezing, but then you're totally good in a minute or two. Yeah. That's uh, 
That's super important, ma'am. And I, I know a couple of years ago, I'd asked you, uh, we talked about meditation and I was going through similar problems where I was like, I can sit here for a couple minutes because I can tell myself I can do it for a couple minutes, but it is just a battle. Like my brain just goes all different places. I'm like, oh my God, I'm itchy when I really am not. You know, I'm like, oh, well, what is all this? And you'd, you'd uh, told me about a, an app called Insight Timer that oh, yeah. has been huge because uh, they have two minute, three minute, all the way up to, I listen to Jason Stevenson uh, episodes of stuff that's on there. It's like hours long, similar to what you do. Like wow. I'll put that on at night and just let, let them talk me to sleep in a beautiful, mm. empowering way instead of just, you know, music or something like that. So do you, uh, do you find that you meditate uh, still using apps or are you primarily just setting up a timer for yourself and able to just jump right in? So I used to be, uh, we'll say, obsessed with tracking everything. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, and with the Insight Timer, I actually had 420 straight days of meditating without missing one day. And then I purposely missed the next day. Because I felt like I had turned this into a checkbox instead of meditating for the reason of meditating. Uh, that really helped me get the habit because I wanted to check that box off every day. And it got me through some of the times I didn't. So today, uh, I really strive not to look at those little stars they give you and the badges, all that cool stuff that, that speaks to someone like me that wants all of it and they want a check mark. I strive not to look at it. I would say most days I use Insight Timer. I still really like the app. It, one of the reasons, it just has such a variety. I can listen to a chant one day and then some type of prayer the next day and a Buddhist monk and a humming. I, I just love the variety of it. Uh, some days, yeah, I don't use anything. Uh, I will just stand there in quiet. I do try to change it up. Some days I'll just turn on Joe Dispenza on YouTube. Uh, I, I'm reading a, a book a Buddhist book right now that's on meditating. And there's been some things I read and I was like, Oh, I want to try that. So then I try exactly what I just read. And yeah, so I like to, to change it up and really focus on doing it for the reason of doing it versus checking the box, which is, it, it was a good habit because it got me into it and got me addicted to it. But I felt like I started doing it for the wrong reason. I appreciate the awareness. I think there are people that go through that are still probably in that stage of like, well, I'm trying to put my morning routines together or I'm trying to get myself together in certain things. But you touched on something that most people don't even get to. And you and I have been there where we're just checking shit off because we said we're going to do it. And I've fallen into this as well, where I'll half-ass journaling because I'm like, I don't really like to write. But I told myself in the beginning, you're going to write the damn thing out because you need to actually do the thing that's uncomfortable. And then I'll just like sloppily go through it. And I'm like, fuck it. And I move along. But that awareness to be like, hold up, I'm just checking off this box. Where do you think that came from? Because that's not a natural thing to just pull that out. I don't know the answer to it because I've been told a lot that I'm really self-aware. Uh, I don't. I think it comes from my inner work. I think there's probably something more natural you know, just instilled in me. But I do think a lot of it is inner work. Uh, it can be a negative because then in my mind, I'm never perfect. I'm always looking for something wrong. So I've, I've recently more discovered that, that, all right, 
I need to just adjust where I'm at. You know, I am at a good place. Now that's that whole meditative, you know, at peace state Mm -hmm. instead of looking for, you know, you're scanning your body and I feel good, but then I'm doing a meditation and scanning my body. Ooh, what can I find that's wrong? Yeah. But that, you know, that's gone through my head of like, let me find something to improve on. And it's, the other side of it is when we're doing just to check the box, it keeps the habit going on a lazy day. You know, I talk about that with going to the gym. I'll go to the gym sometimes. I'll just stretch. I'll do one or two things and I walk out and they make fun of me at the front desk. And I'm like, I kept the habit going. And that day makes the day that I finally get back into it much, much easier. Yeah. Uh, we're halfway through February. I'm sure all the people that said they were going to go to the gym in January were done a month and a half ago. But having that habit of just doing the thing, um, I'm right there with you, man. I go through my rituals to be able to check off those boxes um, and being able to actually check them off in the right way. That awareness is huge. So the fact that you, I guess, intuitively have that awareness, if somebody asked you, how did you get that? Or how can I get that? What sort of suggestions would you give them? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is an accountability partner that, and it can't be a spouse. It can't be really a family member. It needs to be someone uh, with high integrity, but that's not a call, afraid to just call your bullshit and just be like, what are you doing? Like, this is wrong. Like, it's not good for a spouse because that doesn't usually end up well. And, you know, your mom's not a good accountability partner because most moms uh-huh. think their kids are angels, yeah. you know, and they, so it's, it's gotta be, that's one of the powerful things of a coach and mastermind, you know, and these days, it's funny. I just had my coaching call before we got on here. Uh, so I'm like, we talked about, I'm going around speaking and teaching more. And my coach was explaining how my level of doing what I say is going to improve even more of integrity because it's going to be hard for me to go up there and speak and say, this is how you do it. This is what I did to be successful if I'm not doing it. So he was saying how like all his coaching students, we help him be a better person more than we know it mm-hmm. because he can't get on to me about something unless he's doing it. it it's a, uh, so just how can it, we'll say someone that's not getting into that world. What can they do besides the accountability part? Maybe just take on someone as a little mentor or a mentee. You know, there's always someone that's ahead of us that can teach us and always someone looking to get to where we are. I don't want to say below, but looking to be where we're at and just being an inspiration for that person. I'm glad you say that. Uh, When I was having conversations with my coach early on about becoming a coach, one of the things that I was saying was, oh, my gosh, well, you know, I know that I know these things and I can help people with these things. But you always come up with some bullshit excuse of like, but I'm not. (laughs) somebody who's doing millions and millions and millions of dollars. So who the fuck am I? And he had said to me, you just need to be a step ahead. Because those people that are one step or two or 10 steps behind you, everything that you can lay out for them will help and change their life drastically. And when that sunk in, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Because I know most of the people that I had originally started helping were just a couple steps behind me because they were part of my circle in certain ways going, hey, how did you handle this? Or how did you go about that? How did you do this? Um, And look, Adrian and I are going to not push, but promote coaching because we believe in it. As a coach, I believe in it. As somebody who has coaches, I believe in it. Same with Adrian. So those people that 
maybe sitting there saying, look, I get it. I could get a coach. I could get a therapist. I could do all this shit. I could talk to somebody else and get some sort of accountability. How can we make it so they have to do something? Because those things are difficult, air quotes, to be able to take yourself out of your situation and talk to people. What can they do on their own right now to start moving in that direction? Man, uh, I can't think of anything because I don't believe many people are going to do it until they're in enough pain. Uh, one of my mentors, he, uh, he would tell the splat story. And he basically said, if someone's, if you're really failing, the quicker you can hit rock bottom and hit splat, the quicker you're going to bounce back up. When you just kind of fall a little bit and then you get back up and you, it's not always good. He just talked about when you hit bottom, then you are really going to rock it up. And that really hit with me because as you study, you know, Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, all these massively successful, they all have a splat story. And their lives really turned around then. You know, uh, even uh, Rod Cleef, he's a massive uh, multifamily investor, super, 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 super successful. And then he had a massive splat. And now he's even more successful than he was then. So it's like at, you always have one at some point. I think they're actually avoidable. Uh, you can't, sorry, you cannot avoid them anymore. If you push someone to get coaching and they're really not ready, they're not coachable. Yeah. And then you're going to look bad for not being able to, and you're going to be frustrated. You know, I've had many people in my, uh, not, I don't coach, but within my group that my coach coaches all of us, you know, we're just frustrated with them. It's just like they bring the group down because they're just not listening. The student doesn't have to do exactly what the coach says, but they got to go and try it and just do something. Yeah. Like you said, I believe in coaching. You know, I currently have three coaches. I've had up to four or five at a time that I was paying. So I, I have coaches for different things mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I totally believe in coaching, but it works. I don't spend money on things that don't work. Yeah. 100%. And it's on you to work it too. Like you're the coachable type that you go, all right, I've hired you because I don't understand how to do these things. So help me with a plan to then do these things where you're right. If we talk to somebody and they're not ready, they're not going to do a damn thing. Nick, when I first hired my first coach, it was a mastermind group and coach together. Uh, I was not that coachable, actually. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but they called me out then. And in hindsight, I was not coachable. Uh, I was in enough uh, comfort pain where, like, I was just tired of being comfortable in that middle mm -hmm. ground. And I was actually listening to a podcast, and the guy was trying to sell his coaching, but he, he said something. He said, Michael Jordan has a coach. Why do you think you're better than Michael Jordan? And that <laughs> sounds like, ooh. And I'm not even a basketball fan. But I was like, ooh, that's a really good point. And he actually, Michael Jordan has tons of coaches. Yeah. You know, he has in all different areas of his life. I was like, that is a really good point. Who, who the F am I to say that I'm better than him? And whoever you look up to, they all have coaches. Yeah. And yeah, that was the, the stinger to get me to find one. Man, I, I've never heard that, but you're absolutely right. And all of those people, I mean, LeBron pops into my head because I heard recently that he spends about a mil, mil and a half just on his body and then money specifically on his mind and the spirituality and all of that. 
And that makes sense. I mean, you have to make sure that you're in peak physical condition and ultimately peak mental condition to do all of those things. But I think the normal people, again, air quotes, and we've done this a lot in this episode, but the normal <laughs> people of the world forget that they also need to be in peak physical condition and peak mental condition to get the best out of life that they can. I mean, think about it. We've all eaten shit one night. I mean, like, oh, this is great shit, whatever it is, you're eating it. <laughs> then the next morning, you're like, oh, no, that was a terrible idea. Going back to how you said I'm very self-aware, I eat a little less bad stuff every time now because I think back to that, that morning. What's tomorrow going to feel like? And I'm just, oh, I just don't want to feel like crap. So I drink a little bit less. I eat a little bit less on those late nights. <laughs> I mean, I'll add something newer that I've been doing in that idea is I feel like, so we do a lot of inner work and a lot of mindset, and that's not necessarily this cool thing to most of the public. So how can I help make it cool? That's one of the things I want to do throughout my speaking and teaching. I'll pull them in with the, the real estate sexy thing, but then I just put that in there. <laughs> so how do I do it when I'm out? You know, I'm in pretty decent shape. Uh, I'm successful. And people kind of like, well, how do you do it? What do you do? And so I feel obligated to show these habits of, I literally have my alarm go off really annoying around 1130 at night. And I want it to be showing everyone. I'm like, oh, that's my bedtime. I got to get up in the morning. I got my stuff I want to do. And then some people just stay up still just pounding drinks. And I'm there more focused. So I don't really say anything the next day. I just feel like some people are watching. And I hope that just by doing it, I influence some people. Well, let me try one or two of those things. Or let me set an alarm as well. It goes with the alarm is the same thing as we talked about with the Facebook. Some mornings or some nights, I stay up till 1 a.m. But I made that decision. I'm going to stop this. And the other nights I made a decision, I'm going to go to sleep because I want to pay attention tomorrow a lot better. Yeah, that's my rant. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it, man. I think it's important because as we become more successful, it is a responsibility to be able to show others what we're doing while still being authentic and not being like, oh, look, everybody, I got to go to bed. They're like, shut up, we're just drinking. You're like, well, I'm showing you I'm better than you. And I know that's not what you do. But there's a there's a line of that where the ego can kick in and people are like, oh, I want to show this off. The more authentic we can be and more honest we can be with ourselves, I think it's, that's crucial. You know, we've all had those next mornings after drinking or eating and you experience that. But some people just keep rocking and rolling. Yeah. I appreciate that you have the awareness that you have. I want to actually jump into any of the crazy stories that you've gone through or experiences that you've had that you can say, look, I can look back at that time and say, that was a time that changed me. Man, I mean, buying the first rental property, you know, so I was actually, the reason I bought my first property, I was being evicted, me and my friends. Uh, we had a uh, mud wrestling party, spaghetti wrestling party, pudding wrestling party, you name it, we had it. Uh, cops were there, neighbors were there all the time. We broke the garage door and convinced the landlord to pay for. I mean, it was, we were terrible, terrible tenants. But then I bought a house because of that. And so that terrible experience, I ended up buying a house. Uh, I got to feel what the landlord felt because I moved all my same friends in. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, this isn't as cool as I, I thought it was. So that started my, I'll say my real estate career because I got to feel what it was like to not pay rent 
and then eventually to get paid to live there. And man, I mean, really a lot of the thoughts that come to my mind, it's going to be like, you set this up, but joining that first coaching and mastermind group, uh, that was a scary, scary thing. I honestly didn't tell anyone I was doing it because I had a fear that if I was wrong, I wasted money and I was going to be humiliated. So I didn't tell anyone I had some, uh, gift cards for Southwest airlines that paid for me to get there. I didn't even stay at a hotel. I did not book a hotel room because I was like, I am not going to pay any money because if this is a scam, I, I felt like money was the meter of, I don't know. And looking back, I can't even like put it in words. It was so foolish the way I thought, but if I, and I honestly, I wasn't won over that very first one, but I had already um, got my wife to say she would go to the second one because we were going to go to the Grand Canyon. It was in Arizona. We were going to extend the trip. And some things changed in between, and that's when the magic really happened. And I started uh, just trusting people that were pushing me out of my comfort zone. And now it's pretty easy for me to trust that. You know, at the beginning, like I said, I was not very coachable. But now, you know, we joke around. When was the last time everyone in the group was wrong? Like, it's if everyone, if you have 10 peers that you trust are all telling you something different, uh, I'm the one that's that's wrong. So I'm, I'm a lot quicker to that stuff. And I'm a lot quicker when my coach says something, I don't rebuttal back. I just take it. Even if I disagree, I take it and think through it. And then uh, I'll go. So uh, this shirt, it currently says, my wife buys mobile homes. The original shirt said, my wife buys houses and mobile homes. Well, they told me, get rid of the houses. I said, no, I want to buy houses and, and resell those, and I want to keep mobiles. They said, get rid of the word houses. You need to be in one little niche. And the long story short, I got rid of it to prove them that they were wrong. And, well, the, I was wrong, but I still won. So nowadays, I don't have to do it so much to prove that, you know, I'm trying to prove other people wrong. Now I'm just like, all right, there's a, they might be right. Let me take, Let me actually value their input when they're pushing me outside my comfort zone. Um, uh, the miracle morning, you know, we talked about that, man. That, a lot of these things that are, are coming in my head, maybe because we just talked about them. Those are these crazier at the time, crazy things. Now it's crazy not to do the miracle morning. But when I started, that was a, a crazy thing. Who, who the hell would do that stuff in the morning? How would you wake up an hour before you have to get up? That's stupid. <laughs> The the normal thoughts that we had before, though, <clears throat> you know, if you should, if you talked to both of us 15 years ago, or 20 years ago, or whatever, we wouldn't have done what we're doing now, because we didn't know the things. And we didn't experience. Uh, I love the splat. You know, we didn't have all those splat moments. I had one when I was 19. But I had a couple before that and a couple after that. Some <laughs> people, I wish there was a pill that I could give them go here, swallow this. It'll all make sense, but for the most part, they just need to swallow something, fall flat on their fucking face, and then figure it out from there. Yeah, but we're, and I'm a people pleaser, a helper, so it can be very difficult not to help someone I love, but I think we just enable, when we do these little helps all the time, we're not allowing them to fail, and failing with the right mindset is so good. You know, it's so healthy to, if failing forward, uh, John Maxwell, it's a wonderful book and concept. Once you grab that, it, I mean, they suck at the time, obviously. They, they're terrible. 
but that's what gets me through. I'm like, all right, this pain and discomfort, I know I'm going to be a better person a month from now, six months from now, a year from now. I know it just, that's what gets me through it. I've seen that quote, uh, the meme that runs around Facebook and Instagram, uh, be courageous enough to be awful at something at first, or, you know, different variations of that. And I think we also need to understand ourselves. Like I know deep inside of me, the way that I work is I need to keep testing and working through things and just put something out there. Like the MVPs of the world, the minimal viable product, just get the damn thing out. Shit, even this podcast, the first episode, you listen, and now that you hear it, my microphone wasn't working. As an audiophile, I wanted to rip all of my hair out. <laughs> all of it. Talk to my coach, talk to a couple other people, and they're like, fucking calm down. Everything's going to be all right. Just keep moving. Keep moving. And we can all look back at those moments where you just need to keep moving. Some people stop, though. And it's a matter mm-hmm. of continuing to move. So let's talk about that for a moment where you've been smart enough and sometimes dumb enough to just move through shit when maybe you shouldn't have. But the fact that you've gone through that has helped you understand how to keep going. So how do you make that call where you go, hmm, I need to do this or I shouldn't do this thing? Is there any sort of process you go through? So I'm going through a little bit of that right now with this speaking world. I planted a lot of seeds without ever planning to be a speaker. And then as I've kind of decided I was going to do it a little bit. I That's the only thing I can come up with. I planted tons of seeds throughout the years, and they're all sprouting at the same time. And a little bit of it is, I believe I genuinely wanted to help. So why am I telling you all that? This year, I'm going to have trouble. I'm going to have too many people wanting me to speak. And that's going to compromise. If I say yes to everyone, it's going to compromise my personal life, my personal vision of what I, I do not want to be go, 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 go. But I have all that success there. How do you say no when you're young into the the career field? You know, I put some time in. I have some proof. But, you know, there's certain people you don't say no to that opportunity. So that's something I'm battling right now. Oh, I, I just talked to my coach about it. <laughs> that is one thing. I talked to my accountability group. You know, I talked to the other people in my masterminds. You know, I'm I'm in two and I run one. So these are things that I like to get feedback from all different people. And it doesn't have to be in a mastermind. I just like to talk to other people. Uh, I have other mentors that I can go to and say, well, what do you do in this situation? You know, like you, like you said, that might be a few steps ahead of me or it might be four decades ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And so I, for me, it's just talking it out and then going back. So I have a personal vision and a business vision. And that helps guide all of this. I can get all that information and it has to get filtered through that. So my vision is what do I want my personal life to look like in the future? It's not today. It's what do I want it to look like? So then when a business opportunity comes up, is that going to help get me closer to that personal vision? Or is it going to bring me the other direction? You know, and same thing with business. You know, but business always also gets filtered through personal and, you know, I could look at mobile home parks that would get me more money. They would be a little sexier to Facebook and these bigger deals and, you know, all this. Stuff. But it would not actually get me closer to my personal vision. So why would I do it? You know, that that's kind of the, the thing. Like, It doesn't mean it's wrong to do it or not to do it, but you just have to make that conscious thought. Is this going to improve me towards the life I say I want? 
I think a lot of people have no idea what they want. You know, I didn't know what I wanted for the longest time because I didn't know what the hell was going on in front of me and couldn't actually see past it. And the fact that you can actually look outside of that, see what do I want, and then be able to reverse engineer, that's something I take my coaching clients through because that's something I had to go through years ago. Shit, I was suicidal, about ready to jump off a building and left my own business, took a little bit of a sabbatical to go, what the fuck is going on? And part of that was actually stepping into the future version of myself and saying, what do I want and what do I see? And then how do I reverse engineer and create tasks from that to be able to stick along with it? It sounds like you're doing something similar, but more on the macro level in the daily where you're saying, does this thing line up with what I want to do? And that there's your hyper awareness again, man. That's one of those things we need to make little tablets for people to have some of that Adrian awareness because that's huge to go like, does this actually tie? Or some people be like, does that make me happy? I mean, you say that. So you go through the process of making your vision. Lots of different people do it. You know, it's, it's just getting that on paper. And it's, it's never done. It's always a rough draft. It changes. It might change it all. But if you, right now, I'm only reading mine once a week. I, at one point, uh, it's a different version of it. I read it every single day. Do you think I was more productive and got to my vision quicker reading it once a day or seven days? I'm sorry, once a week or seven days a week? It was seven days a week. I mean, that's reading it. It kept it. Uh, what's it? Tony Robbins, the, the reticular activated system. I, I think that's what it's called. Where when you buy a white car, all of a sudden you see tons you of white cars. Everywhere. Yep. Yeah. It's the same. That's what's actually happening in the brain. The science start digging into those stuff. When you read what you want your personal life to look like, you start seeing things that bring you towards it and not things that bring you away. And it's easier to be aware of what you want when you wrote it down and you read it every day. Yeah. I think on a simple level of that, you can look at positive and negative. If positive is up and negative is down and you're constantly looking down, you can't see the positive. And a lot of people are down on themselves or down on their job or down on their life or what have you. And sometimes it just takes a matter of moving your damn head up and being able to look. So making that little change. I like that. And when we think about the deep work and working on yourself, what do you find that you most struggle with and put the most attention towards? Uh, I would say out of a lot of that, the, the visual, visualization, I pronounced that, I get my tongue working right. That is a little more difficult. You know, I've just learned that my view of what it is is just not as clean of an image as other people. So it's okay. I'm stronger in other areas. I'm really good at incantations. You know, what you said about the meditation, you know, all of a sudden your nose starts itching and, you know, you think about what you have to do today, all these different things. You know, I like Joe Dispenza. It has this little drawing of a tree to try to get down to the root. And it goes everywhere, and all of a sudden you think of this, and you you know you go, your brain goes everywhere, and you have to fight through that. I've gotten very small glimpses through that, and I would love to actually experience what that is. I, I have some friends, I coach, I told you about Chuck Bauman. He got through that. I mean, he had some stories of meditation that people don't believe. I believe him because I dove into that world, and I want to experience that. It's mind-boggling at some of this stuff, and the man doesn't lie, so I, I know it has to be true and possible. I want to get through that. I want to get through the noise of my brain, and all I can say is I just have to keep practicing, and one day it's going to happen, maybe next week and maybe 10 years from now. 
but I, I believe it will happen if I don't give up. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think it's a part of uh, who you are that you believe. We talked about that earlier. Some of that may have come from your parents. Some of that just may have been you. But either way, to the people that are listening, just believe. Just straight up choose to believe. Uh, we've heard of uh, the act as if, and I think for the most part, some of that bullshit is just dead. Like you need to be authentic. But at the same time, you need to act like you're going to have a great life or you're just straight up not. Just easy as that. <laughs> like if you want to have a shitty life, just believe it. And some people just believe they have a shitty life and that's that. Um, mm -hmm. And those things that you do throughout the day and in those moments are absolutely huge. And I think there's a lot that we've kind of talked about so far um, with the people that you work with that are part of your accountability group and the coaches that you work with. Are there any things that you can share with the audience that uh, are some major takeaways that you've recently learned that could be game changing for people? Uh, uh, I really like the straightforwardness. You know, don't, don't bullshit me. That's how I want to be coached, though. You know, I just I've learned that's how I want and need to be coached. Uh, I think of my coach as more of a guide. He asks a lot of questions. And so I, actually, one of my accountability partners, he is a coach. He coaches a lot of other things. So he's really good at asking questions. And when you're told something, we don't listen so much. You know, we put that little wall up. But when we're asked questions, now all of a sudden it's our idea. So I've learned that that is very helpful for me. It's, I think it's most people, but being asked the question, so it becomes my idea. And, um, I mean, really getting to know each other. I mean, my coach, my main coach, Ken Holmes, for whatever reason, he was never my coach. I would still call him every month. Like, I don't plan to stop being friends with him. We're just, we're friends and we, we know each other. He really knows me. And I think that that, you know, the very beginning, he, he didn't have time to, to learn who I was and to learn what makes me tick. And so, you know, so that's how he can also challenge me in ways that he knows are going to work better for me than you. And so giving it a little bit of time with uh, the coaches and they all have their little niche, you know, so I have a relationship coach. She is phenomenal at that. And that doesn't mean, Ken, he's good at it. That's just what her niche is. Uh, I have a book coach to help me write my book. Uh, Ken's never written a book. So, you know, he can coach me, but he's never done it. So how is he supposed to really give me the, the tools and the direction? So I hired someone. That's what they do. He's written books. And he, that's what he does. He coaches on writing a book. So I believe in getting into the niches. And, you know, I still filter back through, we'll say to Ken, Ken is my uh, business and life coach. He's just a little bit of everything. And so I, I will filter stuff that other coaches say back to him. It's very rare he has a different opinion because he also respects, well, that's a professional book coach. You know, I haven't written a book, so, you know, he'll throw other ideas out there. But, and uh, confidence, I think that's another thing that those two groups give me is there's been times that I'll go to the group just for reassurance. You know, I just, I, I have this idea, but am I crazy? And the third piece that just came to my, my mind is uh, sometimes just to brag. You know, in this world, we bragging isn't always looked upon, you know, as good, but, you know, sometimes you just got to celebrate your success. And I remember uh, one day, 
I was, I did a, uh, I signed, I sold a property on payment. So like a rent to own. And this is a Sunday morning at a McDonald's. And I got $30,000 in two different cashier checks. A month earlier, I paid $30,000 for the property. And I had another $30,000 of payments. I had never gotten $30,000 at a McDonald's. And I, I was like, I don't even know who to tell. Like, I could tell some people, and they're just going to tell me I ripped them off. And I scammed these people. I can tell some other people they're not, they're going to think I'm, je- they're going to be jealous. And then I could go to my closed group and they cheered me on and they, they said, way to go. So it's just sometimes just to celebrate your wins with people that are always going to lift you up instead of pull you down. That is beautiful. Uh, honestly, my next question was going to be, what's one piece of advice you'd give somebody on their path towards self-mastery? But I think that's it. I think being able to share the wins is a big, big thing. Um, I've got friends and people that are in my network that I'll just start off, hey, can I share a win? And nine and a half times out of 10, they're like, fuck, yeah, share it. I'm ready because they're team you at that point. Um, But is there one piece of advice you'd give somebody on their path towards self-mastery? You said uh, MVP earlier, and I don't remember exactly what it stood for. Minimum viable product. Yeah, that's very similar to a term that I'm using right now. I just got it. It's imperfect action. Hmm. And one of my friends called uh, um, MIA, massive imperfect action. And it's the same idea. And that's something I'm really focusing on right now that just take some type of action. And when you get a roadblock, ask somebody, a coach, or a for somebody in your mastermind group, somebody in your accountability group, or just someone in the same business that's been doing it a little bit longer than you. People that have success, they love to help people that are taking action. When they get questions over and over by people that aren't taking action, you get a little tired of it. But I'd say everyone I know that when someone asks and then they go back and they come back maybe a week or two later and said, hey, I did what you said, this, this, and this. What do I do next? I don't know anyone that doesn't help them. Yeah. Yeah. How, how can't you at that point, especially when you've done something and you're like, well, I'm giving you something because I care. And if Mm -hmm. that person runs with it, you then care more because you're like, yes, great. You did it. Here's the next step. Exactly. We get excited for them. Like I get to live through some people's, I'm very strict in my little niche. So I get to live through other people's lives sometimes of like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're doing this. I've always wanted to do that. Like, tell me more, tell me more. Yeah, you got to be innocent yeah. like a child, right? Like, what is it? Yeah. What are you doing? How can I help? What's going on? Uh, yeah. I think sometimes when people get shut out, they're typically just in their own state of fear. There's shit that's going on in the back of their head where they're like, I don't feel good about this. Uh, so I'm going to tell you to screw off or whatever. But hey, man, we've talked about a lot of stuff, a ton of stuff in this episode. In fact, listening to this, people go back start over because there's an immense amount of stuff that we've talked through. But Adrian, is there anything else that you want to uh, dive into or one last thing that we want to talk about? It, it kind of goes on this topic, but uh, setting expectations. I think that a lot of our communication or a lot of our problems are communication. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's business, relationships, any of that. It's, it really dials back to communication. And usually under the communication is expectations. Either they were set wrong, they weren't set at all, they were both opposite. 
I think if people dig into that idea a little bit more and just pay attention to it, it'll really help prevent a lot of uh, issues. You can never completely prevent it. I mean, I, I still realize all the time, I, I'll go back and reflect. I'm like, ooh, I think I made them assume this. And that's not what I meant at all. I portrayed a wrong expectation. And so, yeah, that's the last little thing I can think of. I appreciate that, man. Well, where can people find you and uh, where can people connect with you? Really, the easiest place is to go to adriansmood.com, A-D-R-I-A-N, S-M as in Mary, U, D as in dog, E as in Edward. And that really pushes people to my mobile home buying business and it pushes people to my education business and I'm on social media on both of them. So just an easy place to go either direction, whichever place people want to connect. Cool. Good stuff, Adrian. Well, I appreciate being on the show today. Thank you, man. Appreciate you having me. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. You see, accountability and coaching is such an integral part to a successful life. But sadly, many don't allow themselves to even be vulnerable enough to ask for help, to then start the healing process, and then the thriving process. First gotta ask for help. So if you're looking or thinking about seeking help, a mindset or guidance just in life or looking to take your life to the next level then listen to this episode again and take down some notes then maybe shoot me a message we've got a couple things to talk about at least a few so what did you think though what did you think about the episode i'd love to hear your thoughts on the conversation today and if you enjoyed the episode please jump over to itunes and subscribe rate and leave a five-star review we love you long time and if you really enjoyed the show today, go ahead and share it with your friends and check out the show notes for more info, contact info for Adrian, and check out other episodes on the mindset and self mastery show.com. We'll just go to YouTube, type in the mindset self mastery show. You'll see the logo and start. Thank you again, Adrian, for being on the show for being real, for being honest, and for being real with us. Thank you to you for joining us today. Remember, your mindset matters, and so do you.